Welcome back to the Agbo Podcast. I have a special podcast today. And of course, you can watch this on YouTube. I ask you to subscribe to the Agbo YouTube channel and you could listen to this on Spotify and anywhere you hear podcasts. Now, the name of uh, this company and the person we're talking to is the NoBullAg.com. Susan David, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, happy Friday. Crazy week in the markets. I know you and I had spoke a few weeks ago and the world's changed a lot since then. It's my understanding you got an interesting background and I've been wanting to talk to you for weeks and months. I've listened to you on a couple other podcasts and I wanted to talk to you about number one, yourself, which you could talk about that for hours, but then two, about this big summit you have uh, coming up. So we'll start with yourself and your history in agriculture and your background. All right. Thanks. Floor is yours. I've spent the majority of my professional career in cash grain merchandising, specifically in the St. Louis area. So I worked at ADM and then Consolidated Grain and Barge, both Mississippi River locations. And uh, my focus has always been producer origination. So I've been dealing with farmers for the past almost two decades now. That's easy to do, right? Uh, yeah, it's they a, always want to sell. They always want to protect. They're sure. They're never it's doubting been, anything. Yeah, it's kind of an evolving thing because I I tell people that I used to be nice, and that was it. You know, when you first get into merchandising and you first start to talk to farmers, it's kind of it's an overwhelming thing. I guess especially for a female too, kind of an overwhelming thing, especially at bigger facilities and. The thought is that you're always expected to have the answer, what the market, you know, why the market did what it did, and then especially what it's going to do. So just learning to navigate some of those things. But I have a rather strong personality, and I've developed relatively thick skin over the years, um, which I guess it's kind of, it makes sense now that I have a company that's noble, um, because it is what it implies. Uh, I did... Yeah, I learned a while ago that with producers, a lot of times you have to be pretty blunt and risk management is a, it's a difficult thing to navigate. And so I guess my goal now is just taking things that are relatively complicated and trying to put them into digestible nuggets that can help anyone from the producer level to someone like yourself with an attractive chart. So that's awesome. You know, sometimes in agricultural markets, they're boring and sometimes they're exciting. We are by far in one of the most dynamic, I would feel the end of one of the most dynamic moves in history, but yet the hits just keep playing. This week was an example of that. And you know, someone might listen to this podcast months from now and not realize what week it was or what day it was. But if you're involved in any aspect of agriculture, things have been wild. Now, that's from the price standpoint. You like to talk a lot about technology and things we talked before we hit play about carbon credits, and I'm probably not going to suggest you talk too much about that because you know so much about that, but it is an interesting subject. Let me ask you a couple of questions I was thinking when you were talking. On a busy year, when you were a grain originator, just give people an idea, how many bushels would you buy a year? Oh, let's see, probably 15 million plus producer bushels. So the St. Louis market is... One of those things you don't really, when you think about like, where's the center, the heart of 
grain origination or a lot of volume movement in the country, you probably don't think St. Louis, Missouri. That just seems like an odd thing. But where it's located at the, or it's St. Louis is the farthest north point on the Mississippi before you get in the lock and dam system. So it has a freight advantage uh, as far as barge transportation goes. For that reason, a lot of rail works into St. Louis. Uh, margins are really thin compared to a lot of your other markets, big markets in the country. So by default, it's a really large volume low margin area. And if you're an exporter at the Gulf, you almost have to have a facility in St. Louis or have an agreement with someone that has a facility in St. Louis to help stem your origination needs. But to answer your question, lots of volume is kind of the background there. And everything I see with the things we do at Advanced Trade and everything else, they talk about St. Louis, the Gulf, the BNW, but the Mississippi River, uh, help me understand, I have an office in Bettendorf, Iowa, How important is the Mississippi River to uh, grain transportation? Well, it's vitally important. And we found that out, you know, kind of the hard way this past fall. When it was empty at harvest, at the gut slot of harvest, yeah. Yeah, you know, you don't realize that you have a problem until you have a major problem. Anyone on the river had been dealing with it or watching it for a while, but it seemed like the market's attention finally went to the Mississippi and the problems there. And, you know, at the moment, we're really, I wouldn't call us in a situation that's that much better. Um, we're still still dealing with reduced drafts and some things like that, except some areas are better. But man, let's hope we don't have to deal with that again this fall. There's, well, it just seems like every day, every week, there's new challenge. Yeah. Tell us real quick about Noble. You know, what's your day like? You wake up, you go to work. What's work look like? Who are you helping? Who are you educating? I guess just flat out, what are you selling? Right. Everyone's probably selling something or providing a service for something. And uh, I know what I see coming out of Noble, I definitely like. Uh, yeah. So my subscription service, it's an email subscription service via Substack. And I generally do three updates a week. I tend to, you know, what are the handful of things that are the most important here? Sure. It's always fun to talk about hindsight and look back at some of the things that happened. I think my favorite write-up that I do each week, I call it the weekender. And I, I mean, only... Maybe you would say I'm a little bit crazy because I, every weekend, take a lot of time to look back at what happened the week prior. I always do a table with weekly changes. Um, sometimes I'll do monthly, too, and then year to date. But it just helps put a lot of things in perspective with all major commodities and then looking at some of the macro stuff, too. But there's not one set of rules I follow. I just think it's really important to kind of shine my own light on the things that I see that pop out in my mind. What should we be looking at instead of stating the obvious? Um, and then it's always interesting to see relationship trading. And I think that like soybean oil, huge focus there with what's happening in renewable diesel and the way that that's transforming U.S. soybean demand. So watching those things right now, we have so much going on with Argentina and their short crop and then eventually we'll probably see meal come back and lead things but like today we saw oil rally in a big way oil trades like an energy now and it's almost like the market today maybe is playing a little bit of catch up after you know we rallied wheat and then corn to some extent earlier this week with what's going on in russia and ukraine but we tend to forget that the majority of the world's uh, sunseed oil exports come out of the black sea 
So that's really important to vegetable oils. And, you know, that's also something that we need to be looking at. Absolutely. I noticed canola really picked up. I trade canola on the uh, Canada ice version. And uh, it's not something a lot of people have access to. It's probably not something a lot of people trade. But I do like keeping that soybean oil ticket right next to that rapeseed ticket. It's not oil yet, right? It's rapeseed. And, uh, yeah, there's so many wild things changing. Real quick, let's jump into the meat of it. The one item I, I'm looking forward to in August and wanted to promote was your your summit. I have so many questions about this. One, who's St. Louis playing in baseball? And uh, two, where's everyone staying? And then three, on a serious note, how the heck did you get this idea to do the SAG Summit? And I'm just excited to talk about it, promote it. I'm excited to go. Oh, I'm excited to meet you too, or finally meet you in person. So they are playing the Twins. Cardinals, not exactly a stellar year this year so far, but hey, that's okay. At most of these things, I feel like people don't really pay much attention to the game anyway. And that's kind of how this event is designed. We're ending the event with the game, and it just provides a really good networking opportunity. That's one of the reasons that I wanted to do something like this, is I feel like there there just aren't that many events that are open to anyone in the industry where we can see both producers and industry professionals like me, like you, come together and kind of mingle and make new friends. So I think that that's one of the biggest reasons to come is there's a really interesting variety of leaders from all walks of agriculture that will be at this event. And I think it it just it creates a lot of opportunity to meet new friends and exchange ideas and, and hopefully make connections that are lasting and valuable. Absolutely. Now, normally these events are in the winter. Yours is in the gut slot of summer. Yeah. Could be a hot, steamy one down there in St. Louis, which is fine. I think so, yes. That's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll drink lots of cold beverages. I have to say, I've been thinking, as you've been speaking, all the years I went on the floor of the Board of Trade, one of the neatest things about being on the floor of the Board of Trade and being a member was as you were trading in the corn pit or the bond, well, more the grains than the bond pit. It wasn't as easy to take people around the bond floor. But when I was on the grain floor, I met so many people I still know to this date that they went on a tour of the Board of Trade. I found the Chicago Board of Trade by going on a tour. And and the networking opportunities you talk about, like we all know each other from social media. I've never met you. You've never met me. A lot of the people that are, uh, I believe, are sponsoring and associated with the group. I know them all from the industry. But I, some of these people I haven't seen in five years. And some I think I know. And I don't. I've never met them. They're just a friend on LinkedIn and Facebook. And uh, social media is interesting because it, it uh, makes you think you're popular by likes and, you know, the crazier stuff you post, you can, I guess, become popular. But in reality, uh, you know, if social media didn't tell someone it was their your friend's birthday, you might forget, right? So how well do you really know people? And I personally think you're on the right track because after COVID, I think people want to do business with people again. And although we're all working from home or remote office or something, or some people, you know, left Illinois and moved to other states. And uh, it's interesting. But I think we still want to do business with each other. What do you think? Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, going back to you were asking about uh, volumes and my previous life and that kind of thing. I've always believed that this is a people business. When I was in merchandising, 
I made it a point to get out and meet my producers. Being in St. Louis, it was bushels traveled long distances to get to St. Louis. So a lot of my customers might be two hours away or more than that, but I always made it a point to face-to-face interact or plan dinners and things where I get to meet and see a lot of people and have that personal connection. And that's definitely the thing that I'm looking forward to the most about this is putting the actual face um, with the name. Keep talking, keep talking. I got to adjust my screens behind me. They uh, went on mute. You you go ahead and speak okay. and tell us the <laughs> sure. dates and whatnot and we'll get this fixed. I live an hour south of St. Louis, so that's why I decided to, and St. Louis is a central location and home to a lot of major agribusinesses. So decided that would host the event downtown St. Louis. The meeting portion itself is at Ballpark Village. Have you been to Ballpark Village by chance? I don't think I have. I don't think I have. So it's if you've been to a Cardinals game or for anyone that's been to a St. Louis Cardinals game, it's a large uh, bar restaurant. Can I tell you the last time I was at a St. Louis Cardinals game? Was it in the... It was Ozzie Guillen retirement weekend. (laughs) Okay, well... (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah. Um, So it's in... The meeting itself is inside Ballpark Village, which is a large uh, bar and restaurant entertainment venue that's just right across the street from Bush Stadium. So we're actually having the meeting in the ground floor. They're shutting the place down for us on Thursday the 3rd during the day. Uh, it's on the ground floor, floor of this massive bar restaurant area with a stage, and we have a 65-foot screen. So we will spend the day there. Doors open at 8 with a breakfast provided. We'll start the meeting at 9. We have four different sessions, so the meeting is busted into four different parts. Uh, the first session is a focus on carbon. So we have someone from Cargill's Region Connect Corteva, and then also Bayer participating in the panel. So these are PhD scientists that are um, going to help us understand what is carbon? What is, um, you know, what's all the hype about? How is it? Is it here to stay? That kind of thing. I have so many questions because uh, just like you and I had discussed earlier, we hear a lot about, about it, but aside from the hype of everyone going carbon neutral and those sorts of things. I really don't know uh, the mechanics of it and what, you know, what type of opportunities are available for producers. And the unique thing about me having a conference, it's called Noble for a reason. And I think that it's time to ask the hard questions too, because um, a lot of producers have the concern there's these, things that they could be doing. So no-till or strip-till, but are the payments enough to actually offset the added cost? In a lot of cases, I think that answer is no. And then for the guy that's been practicing no-till or strip-till for a long time, does he qualify? Because I think in some cases, no. If you're already participating in these things that are better for the environment or better for the soil, I'm not sure that you qualify for some of these programs. And so that's where a lot of this 
you know, a lot of the kind of anti-carbon anything stance comes from. So it's important to ask those questions. Right. I would say zero out of 10 of my knowledge of carbon, I'm just a shade above zero. That's what I know about. It's just not part of yeah, my world. I'm, like I hear it. It's fancy talk. It's uh, maybe where I was two years ago when I heard AI. I just didn't think it'd be part of my world. And then uh, you know, this video here in an hour will be edited by AI. I don't know how it happens. It just happens, right? That's probably how carbon's going to affect the agriculture. One day we didn't know a lot about it. And then we just start to just becomes part of our uh, day, right? Yeah, I think it's the... I think the big misconception um, would be that it's just a fad and it's going away. But we have seen major announcements uh, here just in the past week or so. We've seen a handful. Cargill, ADM, CGB. I think that we're going that direction. And eventually we're going to see it become pretty common practice where bushels that have a proven lower carbon intensity are going to command a premium. So I think it's becoming a part of everyday life more and more. Uh, even I saw a screenshot from an Amex website uh, the other day where it looks like American Express, they're now going to tell you how many emissions, uh, or I guess how many tons of carbon you've released into the atmosphere as a result of your purchases. So it's here. Hmm. I, I noticed on my United app, I have a carbon yeah. score of of what carbon is used to fly my uh, little butt back and forth all over the United States. So, yeah, I think so few people could talk about this. So we're going to learn about that. That's August 2nd and 3rd. That is it a two day learning session or just a one day learning session? Uh, August August 3rd is where um, the sessions and things take place. August 2nd, there's a welcome reception for anyone that's coming in early and would like to have a bite or a drink the night before. And what day is the ball game? It is. Uh, we will end on the third with the game. Awesome. Sounds like a, a great event. I know I'll be there unless we're going limit up or limit down every day, which actually is possible. Sounds like a lot of industry people will be there. What else can you tell us about the event for we uh, end this little podcast? How did you, I guess the question, I don't know if I, I did ask you, how did you come up with this idea? And you said, you know, the the word networking pops up a lot, that you really want to get people back together with people. But what, you're just like, hey, we got to do this. And then you start booking stuff. Uh, Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how it went. So you swept that Amex card <laughs> and Amex told everyone what your carbon credit score was. And they said it's going to be a hell of an event because uh, we're booking all types of stuff. Well, I think. That's awesome. This should be an awesome event. A couple of questions. Will it be recorded? Will it be virtual? Can people, uh, if they can't make it, uh, will there be a recording of it? What do you got going there? At this point, it's just in person, but I guess you bring up a, you bring up a good question. So that might be something that I need to check into. Yeah. Well, and you're also trying to get people together. So maybe, maybe don't record it. If you want people to truly be at the event, don't record it and say, yeah, I was there. It, it'll be, uh, it'll be like, uh, Concerts, you know, I had a chance to go to the Grateful Dead concert the day before Jerry yeah. Garcia died in Chicago. I didn't go. Yeah. So I guess if you didn't go, you didn't go. You weren't there. You can just listen to the recordings from here on out. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about it. And uh, it should be a great event. Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Yeah. The, so Carbon is just the first session. Second session. We got we're more. Do but wait, there's more. 
Yeah, focused on um, renewable fuels. So uh, Jeff Cooper with Renewable Fuels Association will be there. Um, we'll also have the senior vice president of CGB Soy Processing and the president of North Dakota Soybean Processors there. So, uh, you know, massive transformation underway in renewable fuels. We have EVs coming, you know, coming on stronger than ever before, which is potentially displacing our need for ethanol and gasoline, or as, as we, you know, lose gasoline demand. Um, one big thing, though, we've got sustainable aviation fuel is something to talk about where there's an opportunity that we see some of that what would have been ethanol um, actually going into jet fuel. So that's a big thing. And then, of course, or what I would consider one of the biggest things at the moment, the transformation that is definitely underway in the U.S. soybean industry, where we have this huge uh, build out in crush capacity, all on the back of higher values for soybean oil, higher crush margins because of renewable diesel demand. Tom will be there to shed some light on what it's like to be a soybean processor in this environment and talk about that new facility that they're building in Castleton, North Dakota. Um, so that's going to be important. Mike DeCamp will be there with Covercrest. Covercrest is a partnership with, between Bayer, uh, Bungie, and Chevron. It is a winter oilseed crop. So you uh, sow it in the fall as a cover crop, then you will harvest it late spring, and it actually has you know, value as an oil seed delivered to certain bungie processing locations. Um, it also sequesters carbon, I guess, at the same time. Uh, and then the third session, we have John Deere present. We also have Bayer. Um, so we'll be talking about some of those innovations and the things that are that are changing agriculture, um, you know, change, the changes in genetics and improvements and production and hopefully profitability. And then I'll have Joe Jennings with Deitas. They have Tilly, which is a crop insurance uh, software platform where they're using AI to help producers and agents make more efficient and effective crop insurance decisions. So uh, I'm anxious for that because we should have a live demo on stage. Um, and then to... But wait, Sorry, there's more. No, I, was oh, say, there's a I hope more. you're giving out well, notebooks and pens and pencils because this is going to be I, I, a lot I am, to take. Uh, All right. Yeah, I am. And, you know, and it's not, this isn't meant to be the deepest dive ever into these things, but this will be um, just a setup where it's me and the panelists on stage, and we're going to have somewhat of just an open discussion of, of a lot of these changes and things. So I'm excited because I get to ask the questions. Um, and I, there are so many questions because we have so many big changes going on. But to to wrap it all up, CGB Enterprises is sponsoring the happy hour session. Last session of the day, uh, Matt Bennett with agmarket.net will be there with me. And we're going to recap kind of the things that had been have been discussed earlier in the day and then really talk about what does it mean for grain and oilseed demand going forward with some of these big changes. So I think it's a lot to process, but I, I think we need to have meetings like this. And I congratulate you for doing it. Well, I'll wrap it up and uh, reintroduce you again. This is uh, Susan David with NobleAg.com. You finish it up, my friend. There's still tickets available. How much are they and how do people get signed up? And then we'll end this little podcast. 
Sure. You go to nobullsummit.com. It's $299 per person to register. That includes all of your meals, happy hour, and then, of course, the game on Wednesday. Uh, yes, Thursday. Thursday, August 3rd. That evening, Cardinals take on the Twins. It's all-inclusive, and it includes an open top-shelf bar. So Wonderful. Wonderful. That sounds like a wonderful opportunity. And uh, best places to stay in that area? Uh, there's a Hilton. Uh, it's called Hilton at the Ballpark that is right across the street. So there's a room block available. If you visit noblesummit.com and click on stay, there's a link. You got it all covered. Susan, pleasure to meet you. Thank you for throwing this. Again, the uh, the No Bull Summit. Something, it's a first. There's a first for everything. I got a feeling it won't be the last. Thank you for joining the Ag Bull Podcast. My name is Tommy Grisafi. And I am bullish agriculture, much like yourself, young lady. Have a good night. Thank you.